0: Awesome! We're thrilled to be here. We've had two great services—one here, one in the city. So, trust God to speak to you this morning. Amen. Yeah, uh, thank you for the prayer initiative, honey. You want to say something about that?
1: Yes, well, we, we can never be grateful enough for those of you that have been, you know, praying so faithfully for us. Because it really is a team effort. David and I cannot do what we do without your prayer support. It is of untold value. And there's a scripture that just come to mind a, a great deal of late when when Paul says, um, he's speaking to the Corinthians, and he says, you know, on on God we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. You know, often David and I, we're on the forefront of of the battle lines, and it 's by your prayers that God keeps on delivering us, and also Paul goes on to say that that they that God grants them gracious favor wherever they go in answer to the prayers of many and so we just really um, treasure and need your ongoing prayers, and if there are those of you that feel Led by God to to join the, the team that is so wonderfully praying for us, we would we would be so grateful. And there is a um, a list outside in the foyer if you would like to know um, to put your name down, and then we can um, have letters sent to you of what's going on.
0: Awesome. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, also in the foyer, we've just got some copies of our. A book afterlife that we released in july and that's being a real blessing to a lot of people we're getting great feedback and uh it's subtitled life beyond death for the departed and new life for the grieving so you may not have heard of that yet it's our story of um losing our spouses god healing us of that grief bringing us together and then the remainder of the book is really talking about what actually happens to the person that dies so what happens at death where do you go What is heaven like? There's a whole chapter on that. And in that chapter, we discuss a lot of things about heaven that um, are quite amazing. There's there's quite a number of visions that we and others have had of heaven that are incorporated. And we talk a little, too, about what happens to babies uh, and children that die young. Maybe um, they're aborted or miscarried or they die prematurely. What happens to them? And that'll give some great hope to people if you've lost uh, little kids. Also, we look at... uh, Judgment Day, Uh, what's that going to be like? It's going to be very different for the Christian and the non-Christian. We look at resurrection. Um, What's going to happen at the resurrection? Well, there's a whole chapter on what your resurrection body will be like. As I said in the first service, um, Pastor Steve's going to look amazing in the resurrection. It's a a pity how he looks now, but he's going to look amazing in the resurrection. And uh, and, uh, So uh, we'll be looking forward to that day, amen. And, uh, and, you know, what is the new earth that God's going to create? What's that going to be like? What will we be doing? So I, I believe that will be a great encouragement to you. So it is discounted today. And I'd love to give that copy away. Is there anyone? You've, you've lost a spouse in the last six months or so, last six to 12 months. You've lost your husband or your wife. Just give me a wave if you have. I don't see any hands. Anyone? You've lost someone close to you over this past uh, year? There's is a, is a person in the green. Do you want to come and get this? Thank you, lady in the green. Steve, could you, or, or Gareth, whatever. Thank you. That'd be cool. All right. Greta's going to share for a few minutes something prophetic she believes God is saying.
1: Before I do, Pastor Steve, you always have such a, a cheerful, encouraging smile. So it's great. Thank you. <laughs> you know, I'm really feeling very excited in my spirit. Um, For 2017, in spite of, we know there's lots of turbulence and tumult and all kinds of things going on out there in the world, but I really am in awe of what God is saying and what he intends to do, and I'm just going to be sharing a little bit about that now. Um, One of the things that has been coming to mind so strongly is the title of a, a classic author, Uh, Charles Dickens, one of the books he wrote was called Great Expectations. And that title, I believe, is is for us today, even though he wrote it so long ago. God wants you and I to have great expectations that he will accomplish his great purposes he has for you and also for the nations of the world. I know that he's going to do it. And what I feel him saying for 2017 is this open window, open door. Firstly, the open window. Right now, in this moment in history, God is starting to open a great window of opportunity. And this denotes a limited period of time. It may be eight or more years, not sure of how long, but it is limited this window of opportunity is essentially for an unprecedented harvest of salvation. And I really sense that for some nations, this is going to be a season of profound mercy and God's grace, so that there can be an environment of prospering and of peace. And in this environment, salvation, transformation, and reformation can spring up. That's why God's God is pouring out his incredible grace in this window of opportunity. Now, the open door. As God opens this great window of opportunity, he's also opening a great door for effective work. And this is the scripture Holy Spirit has highlighted so strongly. 1 Corinthians sixteen nine. A great door for effective work has opened to me and there are many that oppose me. We see from that scripture that we can expect increased opposition, but remember what Jesus said um, in Revelations to one of the churches, see I have set before you an open door that no one can shut. So when you face the opposition as you go through God's Open doors, remember what Jesus said, and remember too, and be encouraged by this historical event. Do you know that this year is the 100th anniversary of the famous Battle of Beersheba? This event shaped the future of world history. And what we choose to do now can potentially shape the future of world history. For example, that city-wide prayer meeting, that is a start for what God intends to do in our city. So if I could encourage all of us, whoever possibly can, to make it, because our prayers have the power to, to shape the future destiny of our city and our nation. At this battle of Bethsheba. The courageous charge of the light horsemen won victory for the allies. They stormed through the enemy defenses and seized the strategic town of Beersheba. What this did was it enabled the allied forces to advance into enemy-held territory and it turned the tide of war in their favor. The Lord intends us to advance into enemy territory. And he intends to turn the tide of war in our favor. That is good news. And what happened as well, when they captured Beersheba, with the town came its 17 fully flowing wells. And that number 17 is very significant. Because it symbolizes Overcoming the enemy, it symbolizes complete victory. And we are in the year 2017. This is the year not of partial victory, but of complete victory. When the Lord opens doors for you, be bold and very courageous like the light horseman. Father calls you and me sons of light. Rise up as sons of light and clothed in the armor of light that he provides. Together with the allies, that's the local churches in our cities, charge at full gallop through the open doors of God and do great exploits for the kingdom of God in this great window of opportunity that our Lord has provided.
0: It's a good word. That is a good word, and uh, I want to just share another word with you, uh, really, that I feel that God is saying for this year, and uh, it's just simply the word, but. And if you can get this uh, for this year, I think it'll be really, really helpful. Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit will just overshadow every person right now. We just pray, Lord, that the word will penetrate our hearts, that, Lord, it will... Indelibly implant itself upon our hearts that, Lord, when we need this, it will come bubbling to the surface in the name of Jesus. Amen. I was praying late last year about uh, some difficult personal circumstances uh, in our family and also praying for global situations, which, you know, global things have been fairly um, difficult in this past season of time. And I was, you know, just outlining all the problems to the Lord as you do. You present your problems to the Lord. And then as I kind of got to that point, I just then heard myself say, but, this might be the facts, but, but God, you're able to do something. And as I said it, it just kind of, uh, reverberated in my spirit, and if you do a study in the Bible, uh, all the verses that have the word "but" in it, there's hundreds and hundreds of them, and there are many that are so inspiring. Jesus said this in John sixteen thirty three. He said, "Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, because I've overcome the world." He, he's saying, you know, until I come back, when Jesus comes back, He will restore paradise. He will make it a perfect world again. But right now it's a fallen world. He's come into it to bring healing, to bring salvation but we don't yet see the fullness of salvation at work which is a restored world and and people in it that are lovers of God where there's no unrighteousness, no wickedness, no trouble, no devil. The devil gets locked up in heaven and that's the world we're waiting for, is that right? But right now we're in a world that's very different to that and Jesus just forewarned us. He said, look, while you're in this present time, You'll have trials and sorrows. That'll just be normal. So don't think you're abnormal if you encounter trials and sorrows. That's just a normal part of life. Thank God we don't continually experience trial and sorrow because it would be overwhelming. But from time to time we do. And there are many trials out there. If you have a concern for the nations, you will feel trial and sorrow concerning what is happening in many nations. But we need to know, we need to take heart, the Lord says. Why? Because He's overcome. And He will fully overcome on that day that He returns. But Jesus, if you've received Jesus, you've given your life to Him, then you have His Spirit living in you. You have His overcoming Spirit within you. Romans eight eleven says, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through His Spirit who lives in you. And even the greatest Christians of history have experienced deep trials and sorrows. And Paul writes about some of his in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. In verse 8 he says, We do not want you to be uninformed about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. That's modern day Turkey. We were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of life itself. But this happened that we might not rely upon ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. On Him we have set our hope that He will continue to deliver us. And if you read the book of Acts, I think it's around chapters 13 or 14, you see the persecutions and the trouble and the distress that Paul and his evangelistic team went through as they went to city to city preaching the gospel. You know, they were persecuted. They were rejected. They, he was even stoned and left for dead. It was just intense trouble. And, but at some point, you know, it was so intense, in fact, that Paul said, we actually wished we were dead. We despaired of life. Now your troubles have got to be really serious for you to wish that you'd never been born. Is that right? And uh, but, but, but then he says, but this happened. These things happened. He got a God perspective on what was happening to him. See, if you only see through the natural eyes what is happening to you, you you will have a subdued perspective. You'll You'll come under it. You'll feel depressed and oppressed. But when you ask the Lord to lift you up and give you his perspective, you begin to see differently. You begin to see that God is at work. God is doing something. Even in that deep trial, even in that deep sorrow, he says, and I don't know how long it took him, days, weeks, or months, for him to get God's perspective but at some point he says, wait a minute, this is happening to teach us something that we would not rely upon ourselves. The greatest stumbling block in the Christian life is when the devil hoodwinks us into thinking it's us and it's never us. It's always him. Always him. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Paul says, I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. The Bible says that God's grace is sufficient for us. His power is perfected in our weakness. And Paul's recognizing a great truth that God is trying to show him because Paul was a mighty talented person. Like he's one of the great, he's one of the big shots of the early church. He'd been an amazing Jew, a Pharisee. He was capable. He was gifted. He had it all. He was an eloquent speaker. He had it all. But God had to teach him, Paul, my son, I'm going to allow you to face some trials and sorrows so that you get it that this is not about you. This is to teach you to rely upon me. And he says, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves. One of the greatest secrets you'll ever learn. Rod, you go to Sydney. The great secret is don't rely on your own self. Look for God to open doors. Look for God to work miracles. Look for God to create divine connections. Look for God to go ahead of you and grace you for it. The great secret is don't rely on ourselves. But who? On Him. On Him. And on Him, Paul says, we've set our hope. Where do you set your hope? You've got to set your hope on Him. It's a pretty negative world out there. Pretty negative world. Lots of bad things happening. But oh, we can look up and set our hope on God, knowing that He will continue to deliver us. I hear people say often, Look, God won't test you beyond your ability to handle it. It sounds good, but it's not true. And they usually base it on the scripture, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, which says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. He'll not let you be tempted beyond your strength, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. And that's true of temptation to sin. God will never let you be tempted to sin beyond your ability to endure it. But when it comes to trials, adversity, and suffering, it's a different story. And there will be times where God will permit those things that will be beyond our ability to endure them. Why? Because He wants you to draw from His grace. And when you draw from His grace, you begin to walk through what would be overwhelming, what would be crushing, what would be despairing. You get through the other end. You go, wow, how did that happen? It's because you drew on the grace of God because you knew you couldn't do it yourself. Max Lucado tells the following story about a canary named Chippy. He writes, Chippy never saw it coming. The problems began when his owner decided to clean Chippy's cage with a vacuum cleaner. Some of you can see what's going to happen next. She removed the attachment from the end of the hose and stuck it in the cage. The phone rang and she turned to pick it up. She'd barely said hello when Chippy got sucked in. The bird owner gasped, put down the phone, turned off the vacuum, and opened the bag. There was Chippy, still alive but stunned. Since the bird was covered with dust and soot, she grabbed him and raced to the bathroom, turned on the tap, and held Chippy under the running water. Then realized that, realizing that Chippy was soaking and shivering, she did what any compassionate bird owner would do. She reached for the hairdryer and blasted the pet with hot air. Poor Chippy never knew what hit him. A few days after the trauma, by the way, this is a true story. A few days after the trauma, a friend contacted Chippy's owner to see how the bird was recovering. Well, she said, but Chippy doesn't sing anymore. He just sits and stares. It's hard not to see why. Sucked in, washed up and blown over. That's enough to steal the song from the stoutest heart. Wow. I don't know, sometimes you feel like Chippy. If there's anyone in the room feeling like Chippy, here's a little tip. Don't let Satan steal your song. Don't let Satan steal your song. He will try and rob you of your song. He will try and shut down. he That's a songbird. It's created to sing. You and I are songbirds. We're created to praise the Lord. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Forget none of his benefits. Who forgives all my iniquities and heals all my diseases. Who redeems my life from the pit and crowns me with love and compassion. Who satisfies my desires with good things so that my youth, is renewed as the Eagles you don't have to be like Chippy you can have a renewed youth like an eagle why if you maintain your song I remember in my early 30s just a few years ago now uh, it's that same ripple of, of, of mocking laughter that struck the first service and the city was the same I just uh, you know anyway there you go a few years ago in my 30s, I was diagnosed with lymphatic cancer, a type of cancer they called Hodgkin's disease. And I had nine months of chemotherapy, and that was pretty rough. And my wife, first wife, Jane, had been already diagnosed years before with multiple sclerosis, but had been kind of in remission and wasn't too bad. But the pressure of that year just seemed to accelerate the disease. So, you know, sometime through that year, she had to start using a wheelchair because she could no longer walk properly. And so there I am, you know, battling cancer, which God brought me through, and I've been clear ever since, praise God. And she's in a wheelchair, and she spent the next 21 years in a wheelchair. And then the last 16 years of those, I was her full-time caregiver. And let me tell you, that was an intense 21 years, uh, 21 years of, of history for us. Uh, and I once asked Jane, I said, uh, what have you learned all the years you've been in a wheelchair? And you know what she said to me? She said, I've learned to smile learn to smile. Wow. That's an amazing statement from someone stuck in a wheelchair. She she didn't allow her song to be stolen. But there were times where, you know, it was overwhelming. And I, I felt like Paul, at times, despairing of life. Would this ever come to an end? It was intense and it was hard. And but, you know, I, that, that scripture of Paul's became real, and I would constantly pray it. Lord, I feel like Paul. I feel like, Lord, that I'm despairing of life. I, I, this is beyond our ability to endure. I don't know how to get through this, Lord, but we set our hope on you that you will deliver us there will come a deliverance, and I thought that might be in, in the realm of a miracle healing, but it came in the form of her being promoted to heaven, and then, and then God brought Greta into my life, having lost her husband, and, and brought us together, and you know what? After Jane passed away, I looked back over that 16 years of caregiving, and I said to myself, I don't know how I did that. I do not know how I did that, and I realized it was the grace of God. See, when she died, the grace lifted because it was no longer needed. And, And I understood, wow, that was not in my strength, Lord. Because that was your grace. And I still look back and think, I couldn't do that. I don't think I could do that again. I don't know how I did that. That's the grace of God. See, when you rely on the grace of God, it'll get you through anything. You might be facing something that's overwhelming. You might be about, and if you're in a season of blessing, cheer up, an overwhelming problem is going to find you at some point. You'll not be left out. It will come. But you know, in that time, in that moment, I want to tell you, doesn't matter how overwhelming it is, the grace of God is sufficient for your weakness. His power is perfected in your weakness draw on the grace of God and you know what now out of that whole 21 years of trial and Greta could tell stories about her trials and Ron's trial her first husband God has brought us together and now we have a ministry of hope that goes around the world all we do is go and encourage people and say hey guys you can get through the storm you can get through the trouble there is hope he is a God of hope doesn't matter how bad things got get he can turn the valley of trouble into a gateway of hope that's what we do and, and equipping etc etc and two books have been written out of that journey. My first book, Hope, and our joint hope, Afterlife. Two books. And those books are blessing thousands of people around the world. See, God can bring good out of overwhelming situations. But this happened. We might not rely on ourselves. And I love what Paul goes on to write later on in 2 Corinthians 4, verses 8 to 9. He says, we're pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed and broken. We are perplexed but we don't give up and quit. We are hunted down, in other words, persecuted, but God never abandons us. We get knocked down, but we get up again, and we keep going. Look at all those buts in there. If you get anything at the beginning of this year, get that into your spirit. But, whatever I face, but, whatever happens in the world, but. Psalm 73, 26, the psalmist writes, My flesh and my heart may fail, But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Wow. And if you read Psalm 73, the context is he's looking at the seeming prosperity of the wicked. He said, Lord, how come the wicked seem to prosper? How come they get away with all their wickedness? How come they say, God's not going to call me to account. I'm free to do what I want. How come you seem to let the wicked prosper, God? And he began to get bitter in his soul. He began to get embittered until he says, I went into the sanctuary. He got into the presence of God and God began to show show him perspective and he showed him all through time to the day of judgment where god will square the books and god will judge wickedness and no wicked thing will be held unaccountable god will bring an accounting for all wickedness and he said he my spirit almost got bitter but then i realized lord my heart and flesh may fail because i see all the wickedness happening in the world But you remain the strength of my life. Wow. You remain the strength of my life. And we've got to know that in the context that we've seen wicked forces on the rampage these last eight years in the Western world and in the Middle East we've seen wickedness rising up in the nations of the earth and you can get despair and you can get discouraged and right now God's put a pause, He's put a comma in the march of wickedness. He says, enough, I'm opening a window of opportunity for the next four to eight years where I'm going to grace the nations of the earth where there's going to come a harvest and whatever you think about the US presidential elections. That's part of God's grace. You know Trump has surrounded himself with nine born again believers in his cabinet, hallelujah. I bet you you won't find that in the secular media. They hate him, they'll never say a nice thing about him and sure he's no saint but it seems like, you know they hated Winston Churchill before World War II, they called him a fool. They hated him but he was a man for the hour. I don't know what we're gonna face in the next four to eight years. But I think God's setting some things in motion. And the thing you and I need to know is whatever happens out there in the world, whatever happens in your world, you need to know. My heart may fail. In other words, my emotions, they might just go down. My strength may go. But, oh, God, you remain. You remain. You remain. The strength of my heart and my portion forever. And if you're in doubt about this, then why don't you take a moment to look back As we celebrated around communion, we looked back to the cross. We remembered what Jesus has done. And as you face your future, even your present, and you're tempted to despair, you need to be encouraged that one day you didn't know God, you weren't interested in God, but one day God came breaking into your life. God showed you mercy. And in Ephesians 2, verses 2 to 5, it says this, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and He loved us so much, That even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. We were under God's judgment, because God will judge all sin. We were held captive by sin and by the devil. Maybe, Maybe He didn't even believe in the devil, but He held you captive, whether you believe in Him or not, but God loved us so much, He allowed His Son to die on a cross. In order to show us His mercy, see, God can't forgive you till your sin is paid for. We think God is a Father Christmas in the sky. He just forgive everybody. Oh yeah, you, it's okay. Just do what you want. I'll forgive you. No, no, there has to be justice. Demands a price be paid. If you had a judge in our courts that says, "Yeah, you're guilty of murder, but hey, I'm feeling in a good mood. I just let you off," we'd say that is terrible. Sin has to be paid for. Justice has to be served and satisfied. And so somebody has to pay for your sin. Somebody has to pay for my sin. His name is Jesus. And when you were a sinner, not even interested in God, God looked at you and said, I will have mercy on them. God, so rich in mercy. You didn't get saved because you're clever or smart or religious or a do-gooder. You got saved because you needed Him. Hallelujah. And He came into your life with His mercy and His grace. That's how your family members are going to get saved. Keep praying. Don't sweat. Believe God. He's able to do it. In a moment, I'm going to give an opportunity for anyone here that's never given your life to Christ to come to know Him. Or if you've walked away from Jesus, to come back. Whatever we or the world goes through in this coming season of time, we need to know that there is always a but. And I'll finish with this story. Uh, Two men were visiting the Louvre in Paris and they were looking at paintings. We got a picture of a particular painting coming up. And one of them was a chess champion. And so he was particularly interested in this painting called Checkmate. I think painted in the 1830s by that artist and uh, it's a, a picture of the devil playing chess with a man who represents all of us. And the devil is smirking arrogantly because he is the man cornered. And the title, of The Painting Checkmate, suggests that the game is over, that the devil's won. That man's soul belongs to the devil. That guy is trying to figure out what's my next move, but he can't see his next move. And the story, a true story goes that the, the two men, one of them moved off to look at other paintings, but the chess champion, he stood there looking at this painting. And he looked, and he looked, and he looked, and he, and he began to think, there's something wrong with this. There's something not right. And he looked, and he stared. And then it dawned on him, and he stepped back, and he shouted out in the, in the Louvre, it's wrong. It's wrong. The king has one more move. The king has one more move. It's not checkmate because the king has another move. It is not checkmate in your life. Because the king, Jesus, has another move he's about to make. It's not checkmate in the nations of the earth because the king has got another move. The devil's not going to win. It's not checkmate over Israel because in recent weeks the whole world has begun to hate Israel. It's not checkmate over that nation because the king has another move. And it's not checkmate over you and your family. Why? Because the king always has another move. There is always a but God. When it looks like you're beaten, when it looks like you're defeated, when it looks like you can't go on, when it looks like you're at the point of giving up, you need to know your king always has another move. There is always a but God in your situation. And in a moment, we're going to pray into this and ask the Holy Spirit to come and just so infuse us with a spirit of tenacious and bold faith. There are things, there are Beershebas that need to be taken this year. Come on. That city was the key to the whole of Palestine, the whole of the Bible, biblical lands opening up to the British and defeating the Turks. So it came under British mandate, which is why years later, Israel was, could be reformed as a nation. It changed world history, as Greta said. I don't know what Beersheba's, you face. There, there is something that we need to charge for this year, personally, corporately, and the church globally. There's a, there's a there's a city to be taken in the sense that there's wells to be discovered. And when you start, when you, if you ever see that movie, The Light Horseman, you see they faced cannon and they faced machine gun fire. But they still charged anyway. Why? Because there's a but. And you might face some cannons and you might face some machine gun fire when you try and take your wells. But God will see you through. God will see you through.